Hey everybody, I'm Emily. I'm Andy. And welcome to Unnatural. Ooh, good to be back. It is. It was a long week. Was it? It was a productive week. Okay, that's good. Productive's good. It was a week. Yeah. I always get excited for uh, the podcast around like Thursday or so. Because you and I record on the weekends. So once it gets to about Thursday, then shit starts to get real for me. What about you? Yeah. I mean, I really look forward to our recordings. I look forward to my cat scratching on the ottoman. (laughs) I look forward to... Stop it. Shit falling off of... uh your uh dresser or whatever the hell just happened my desk i look forward to wednesdays when we drop the podcast and now we get to look forward to sundays because dexter is back and has been back for a few weeks now don't spoil it i had i don't have showtime right now oh my god get it hey i'm still trying to catch up on midnight mass here God, you're bothering me. I'm doing a slow burn on that. Episode four was crazy. Anyway, do you want to know what we're talking about today? <laughs> well, I know that we're heading to Minnesota, or should I say Minnesota? Yeah, for sure. There's snow on the ground. <laughs> I'm, unha- I'm unhappy. Me too. Like every year, I know it's going to snow, and every year I still get pissed when it does. Yeah. I know. People who don't live in this area think that we love it. We don't. Most of most of us don't. <laughs> Spoiler alert, we don't. It's true. Anyway, so yeah, we are going to be hanging out in Minnesota today and we are going to be talking about about a boot. A boot? We are going to be talking about a 17-year-old girl who left her home in St. Paul with a friend to go to a job interview, and she was never seen again. This is the disappearance of Hang Lee. October 9th, 1975, uh, she immigrated to the United States and to Minnesota with her parents and her 13 siblings. Whoa! Yeah. I mean, that's an active mom and dad right there. Right. (laughs) Now, they immigrated from Laos. Is that how you say it? Laos? Yeah, Laos. Um, In the 80s. I couldn't find a whole lot about her childhood or what prompted her. Well, they were refugees, so... Yeah, um, there was a lot of shit going on there at that time. Yeah, that's why they decided to come to the U.S., Um, but she was described as a very sweet and kind, but also a bit naive girl. 
She was really close with her family, um, specifically her one of her younger brothers. Um, she loved punk rock music. Ooh, I this, like her already. I know. There's this one kind of famous photo of her where she's wearing um, like a layered chain necklace. She's got just like this big hair. Hmm. It just it just screams like 80s, 90s grunge. Right, right, right. And um, at the time she disappeared, like she had her bangs dyed red and I was just living for it. Yeah. Oh um, man, I bet she had good taste in music. I'm I'm just feeling that right now, just from everything that you said. Plus, <laughs> the early '90s, there was a plethora of good music to be found. There really was, but a lot of people mistook her for being, you know, kind of a troublemaker because of her appearance. But yeah, um, as far as I could tell, she was anything but. Um, you know, her parents didn't speak English, but Hang and several of her siblings did. And she really loved writing and reading. Um, she had plans to go to college after she graduated at the U of M and she wanted to study creative writing. And I read in one source that she wanted to write, um, a book about the, monks people's experience in the u.s which is like like her culture yeah and and that is a culture that is pretty significant in minnesota these days and it has been for quite some time yeah during this i i forget what the little kind of area it was called where they lived but um there was a lot of refugees and a lot of monk people that were in that area and these days they've made it their home. I mean, yeah. they've kind of assimilated into society, but they've made Minnesota a more diverse place, which is pretty cool. Right. Hang was a very petite girl. She only stood about five feet tall. She weighed 90 pounds. She had dark hair and brown eyes. Um, I think she was really pretty. I'll show you some photos and we'll post pictures on the Instagram, of course. And she was working part-time as a server at a local restaurant with one of her brothers. And what she would do is she would put yeah. um, like half of her paycheck away for college. And then the other half, she um, would like contribute to the family for like bills or groceries or, yeah, you know, all of that kind of it's stuff. It's amazing. A lot of immigrant families do that. Right. Still. And it's something that's I can't I think is instilled in people when they kind of come here is to all work together in a collective effort. Right. And I assume having a household of fourteen kids yeah. and two parents, like that's not the grocery bill for that house could not have been cheap. Even That'll by eighties and nineties standards. Oh my gosh. I <laughs> Sometimes I could sit there and complain about my grocery bill, and I'm just one person. Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine 14. Right? Now, despite the fact that she absolutely loved her job at this cafe, Hang did want to get a second job so she could make a little bit more money. Um, her brother had said that at the time they were making about $7 an hour. Whoa. Yeah. So... um Hang had a friend named Kia Lee, no relation, but she also went by Nikki. I think they knew each other from school. Okay. Uh, anyway, Nikki worked for a local 
guy who owned like a painting and carpentry company. Mm-hmm. So Nikki talked with her boss and was like, hey, you know, my friend is looking for a job. And he agreed to interview her for a part time position. Right. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? You get yourself out there. It's not like it's going to go tohu bohu or anything. Right. Or is it? It might. So Tang calls her boss at the Wong Cafe on January 12th, 1993. And she says, hey, I can't come into my shift today. I have another job interview. Which uh, I think her boss over there knew that she was looking for a second job. So it was kind of like no big deal. Um, Her boss, I believe her name was Eileen at the cafe. Just, you know, after her disappearance, she had nothing but good things to say about her. That's good. Yeah. For me, whenever I have a job interview and I am actively on the job, I always make something else up. I don't know about you. Oh, yeah. I don't. It's like it's. it's, (laughs) I I never say that. Oh, by the way, I'm going for a job interview. I try to like, oh, uh, you know, I'm going. I'm meeting someone for coffee. (laughs) Right. It's a long coffee. Going to the dentist. (laughs) (laughs) So Hang's getting ready for her interview. She throws on her black leather jacket. She's got a Skid Row t-shirt. She's got black pants on and a bunch of accessories. So she's ready to go. Now, before she left her house at about 7 p.m., she tells her brother, uh, Kua, I think that's how you pronounce it. People out there can let me know if I'm wrong. And I do apologize if I'm wrong, but um, she told him, if I don't come back, look for me. Hmm. That's interesting. Because apparently she wasn't super trusting of Nikki. And I couldn't figure out why. Um, Well, and this is pretty late at night for a job interview. Yeah. Well, just wait, because it gets gets weird. Hmm. So... Nikki and Hang go to meet with Nikki's boss, Mark Stephen Wallace. Now, he's got three names. And as we know, people with three names are trash. Yeah, they're usually evil. Spoiler alert, foreshadowing. Look at all the serial killers out there. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) So, even though Nikki recommended Hang for this job, she apparently also thought it was kind of weird that he agreed to interview her because he didn't have enough work for his existing employees, let alone a new one. Why would she even mention it to him then? I mean... Who knows? Yeah. So Mark picks up both of the girls for the interview in a white pickup, and then they go to a casino Hmm. for this interview. It's a little sus. Right. And I am unsure what happens over the next several hours um, while they were at this casino doing the interview. But um, uh, I can't say I've ever been interviewed at a casino. I'm not saying I'm opposed to it. (laughs) Right. But I mean, these girls are like 17 years old. That's weird. That's major sus. Something weird. It, it it feels off already, and I don't even know what's coming. Yeah. It, I think it feels off to just about everybody, but hold, keep your socks on, all right? 
Actually, I'm not wearing socks right now, but whatever. It's it's a metaphor, Andy. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so they conclude the interview and they go back to the office and they switch vehicles. Okay. So they were in a white pickup truck. Now they are in a 1988 Chevy Cavalier. Hmm. Unsure of the color. I One source said tan. One source said silver. But it was a Cavalier. Um, so Mark drives Nikki back to her house. And then he was supposed to take Hang, t- Hang home as well. But she never made it there. So, I mean, the last for sure sighting of hang was when she left her home but also if you believe nikki's story which we will get into the last time she was seen was she got in she was in the back seat and then when they dropped nikki off she got into the front seat of the car according to nikki mm-hmm Now, Mark says that he was going to take her home, but she wanted to be dropped off at the cafe where she worked. So he said that he dropped her off there, never saw her again. But no one at the cafe said that they saw her. Interesting. Meanwhile, yeah. So Hang's brother said that he went to sleep around 10 o'clock at night, but he woke up at 1 a.m. to wait for her. Because naturally, I mean, what she said to him before leaving had to have been a little bit unnerving. Yeah, it had to be on his mind. Yeah, and he said that he didn't really trust Nikki either, but he trusted his sister, and she was not the type to just not come home. So after hours of her not showing up, Kua went to their parents to let them know, like, hey, she went on this interview. She's not home yet. I'm kind of worried. And his parents, you know, still didn't really speak English at all at this point. And I don't think they really knew what to do at first. Yeah. So, um, Hank's brother said that he went to school the next day and he saw Nikki there and he was like, hey, where's my sister? And she was like, Dude, I don't know. And then it was. She wasn't worried or, you know, concerned or anything? It doesn't seem like it. Mm. Um, But it took several days, like almost two weeks before Hank's parents went to the police to report. Oh, my God. Missing. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, they. I get that there's a language barrier, but Jesus. Yeah, but, you know, I think I think they didn't know how to navigate the situation of having yeah. a missing child in a new country. You know, and it's also the early 90s, so there's no social media, there's no cell phones, there's no internet. Um, but, you know, they weren't sitting around and doing nothing for They were still weeks. in the Laos frame of mind, probably. Whereas yeah, I mean, in that country, if you go missing, you just go missing. Right, and, you know, um, they were looking for her... They were looking for her themselves, essentially, is what I understand. Right. So when they went to the police, the assumption by the police was that, oh, she probably just ran away, which I think I've talked about this before, maybe not. But the fact that the police did this then and still do that today yeah. just pisses me off. 
so much. Like if a fa- that it's the first thing they go to. Yeah, if a family comes to you as the police and they say, "Look, my child, friend, family member, whatever is missing," and you're like, "Oh, they probably just ran away." And then the family's like, "No, no, no, like they wouldn't do that." And the police are just kind of like, "No, really, they like they're a teenager, they ran away." Like, who are you to say yeah. that you don't know this person? I just that's why I, I feel like it's better when police departments and I have immense respect for police departments, but I think it's better when they have some sort of psychologist or child psychologist on staff that can help relate to them what might be going on with some of these children. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And... I mean, do they kids can help do, put some of that empathy there? Right. Like, do kids run away? Do teenagers run away? Do adults run away? Absolutely, they do. But it's been weeks. They are telling you that this is not she like this person is not the type of person to just right. up and run away. And this is abnormal. Right. Well, not only that, but they're like, you know, they told the police. She left her, you know, $100 paycheck behind, all of the money she had in savings for college, her purse, which also contained a knife and a lead ball, I guess, that she had for that she would carry for protection. Right. If you're running away, you're taking the money, you're taking the weapon that you have, you're taking all that stuff. Right. So it just it, it just doesn't make sense that she would run away. So, I mean, you know, the police were really not quick to get on anything's months go by. And I couldn't figure out exactly why. And I didn't see exactly when. But finally, the police suspected foul play was involved in her disappearance. Okay, that's good news. Yeah. And I don't know if it was just, you know, like I said, I couldn't really figure out why, if it was just so much time had gone by or... Or if there was a tip or... Right. Um, but anyway, the the police found Nikki. They took her in for questioning. She said that she saw... At first, she said, yes, you know, we were together. We did this. But I saw her... She said, I saw Hang walk away from the truck with like a group of unknown men. Mm. And um, Mark was just uncooperative from the get-go. He, you know, they questioned him, too. He stuck with his story that he dropped her off near the cafe, and that was that. He got a lawyer. You know, he just, he wasn't going to talk. He didn't want to be involved. Whatever. Then sometime later, I think maybe it was guilt like a guilty conscience or maybe she was getting pressure from the family, but Nikki decided to have a conversation with the police again. She was interviewed again and now her story changes. Hmm. And she said that she told them the first story of her just running off with a group of men because she thought hang ran away and didn't want to be found because that's what, Mark had told her. Hmm. So then Nikki gets started talking about Mark. And at the time of the disappearance, Nikki had only been working for Mark for a few months. And this is where she tells the police, you know, that 
I mentioned this before that she thought the whole thing was weird because Mark didn't have a whole lot of work for his existing employees, let alone having anything for Hang really to do. Right. Because she, Nikki's job was kind of like a front desk type situation. Like a receptionist type of thing? or Yeah. Okay. And hang like they were going to be doing the same thing like together but maybe opposite shifts but nikki said that she never saw any customers coming into the building she said that you know red flag red flag yeah well she would just be sitting you know at the desk and he would bring younger men into the back for a while and then they would come out and leave so pretty fucking weird pretty fucking suspicious and i i have an idea of what might be going on here but we will get into that later So Nikki said that Mark, she never really saw any customers. She just saw Mark kind of bringing dudes to the back for a while and then they would leave, which super weird, super suspicious. Young guys, you said. Yeah. Like young, middle-aged, you know, guys. So then Nikki talks about at one point when Mark told her that she should be a model and he made some comments, you know, like that every once in a while. And he asked if he could take photos of her. Mm. And she let him take these pictures. And as far as I could tell, she didn't know what happened to any of the photos. And she didn't discuss what type of photos they were. Or if she did talk about it, it was never released to the public i was gonna say are these like risque photos are they x-rated photos what are we talking here well we don't know we don't know but i once we find out more about him i think we could make an educated guess gotcha so she also told police about an instance where he gave her a drink and he said here You need to drink this because you're going to get sick from all of the paint fumes. What? So, 
Yeah, so she took the drink, and then she told Mark, like, oh, you know, I'm starting to feel really dizzy. I'm getting a little tired. And he said, oh, that's the paint fumes. You didn't drink enough. So here, I'll give you another drink, and you'll feel better. And Nikki said that she thinks she passed out at some point, and she woke up on the floor in a blanket. Oh, my God. So did he roofie her? What the hell? We don't know. And she never said specifically that she was assaulted but she never said she wasn't either Hmm. now keep in mind you know she's 16 17 at this point mark is like in his 30s i believe and um she did tell the police that she was scared of him but then a short time later she kind of she stops cooperating with the investigation and the police and she gets a lawyer and just kind of goes Silent. Mom's the word. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Nikki has gotten a lot of hate over the years. People were saying that she was working with Mark and he lured and she helped Mark lure Hang into, you know, some sort of like sex trafficking situation or she was complicit. I got to admit, that was one of my first thoughts. Yeah, me too, honestly. But the more, you know, this story that she told i think nikki might be just as much of a victim as hang is you know yeah so now let's talk about mark a little bit at the time of hang's disappearance he had been out of prison for less than two years now what was he in prison for do we know we do he was in prison for two very violent sexual assaults. Oh, shit. The first happened in March of 1987, and he lured a 22-, 23-year-old woman to somewhere with the promise of a job interview. Hmm. And it was then that... Sound familiar? Exactly. And it was then that he tied her up, taped her mouth shut, put tape over her eyes, Oh, Jesus. And he raped her, and apparently he stabbed her. And he told her that if she ever told anyone, he would kill her and her family. Then, just a few weeks later, in April of 1987, he raped a 16-year-old girl. Oh, my God. How was he only in prison for a few years? Exactly. Oh, my God. But wait, because we haven't even gotten to the point where he was captured. Right. Because in May of 1987, he called a 22-year-old woman to offer her a job interview. Now, she thought this was super weird, luckily, because just a few days prior to that, she had had some of her personal items stolen from her car, Mm -hmm. I think. So... She calls the police, tell them what's up. She's like, something really doesn't feel right. And they arrange to have an undercover officer go to the interview. Ooh, okay. Yeah, so they send this woman to the interview who pretends to be... Interested in the job. Yeah, she pretends to be the woman that he called. Yeah, yeah. And Mark drives her to his quote-unquote office, and they have another undercover you know, team following them. And 
Mark tries, Mark, like, they get to the building, and he attacks the woman. He tries to assault her, and he is immediately arrested. Wow. Now, he did end up admitting to everything. You know, he said he had every intention of luring this woman out to his office to rape her, basically. Mm-hmm. And he tells the police that sometimes something inside of him just snaps in his head about taking a girl and having sex with her, and he just can't control it. Um, and he reportedly told one of the victims, like, hey, I'm not a rapist or anything. I'm just going to tie you up and take you, which is just... Yeah, exactly. that's a rapist. That's a fucking rapist. Exactly. When it is not consensual... And it's premeditated... Yeah. It's, oh, my God. It's, it, that's, sir, that is like the literal definition of rape. Fucking asshole. Mm-hmm. I really couldn't find out very much about this guy in regards to his childhood or his upbringing or anything other than he did make a comment to the police officers that he, like, when he was being arrested and interrogated, whatever, that he had been sodomized in, like, middle school by his principal. Hmm. Which doesn't excuse his behavior at all, but... But is fucking awful. Yeah, it's awful. And, you know, we see a lot that a lot of people who, you know, kind of commit these types of crimes often have sexual assault of some sort in their past. They they act out in later life. Yeah. I mean, he's still a super gross individual. Mm-hmm. So um, he's charged and found guilty of the two rapes. And I saw in one source that during all of this, he had been suspected to, uh, of like a handful of others in the area, but nothing was ever proven. But with guys like this, there's more than just a few. I mean, right. it's habitual. Right. So in June of 1991, he was let out on supervised release. So, yeah, he was in prison for that for um, less than two years. Wow. Unbelievable. Right. So he's definitely. After something that heinous. Right. Well, I mean, you know, and th- we'll we'll talk about this in just a few minutes. But it, I was like so triggered as I was researching this case, like so many things about it make make me just angry. Mm-hmm. But um, Mark at this point is definitely suspect number one in Hang's case. But unfortunately, you know, it's been months now since she's disappeared. They have no body. They have no evidence. And, you know, of course, he is refusing to talk. Nikki eventually refuses to talk. So everything just hits a dead end but they keep an eye on mark and years and years go by and there's just nothing but marky mark over here keeps committing petty crimes here and there shocker yeah right but you know the the cops really they never had anything to tie him to hank's disappearance So now we're going to fast forward to 2009. Mark's house went into foreclosure. So somehow or another, the um, police were either able to 
work something out with the buyers or the bank, but basically they were allowed to search the home and brought in cadaver dogs. Three of them. Hmm. Three of the goodest girls and boys. Interesting. Because <laughs> these dogs, all three of them, yeah. separately alerted in the garage. Ooh. Okay. So at some point or another, there was human remains there. Yeah, or blood but, or something. Right. Um, but this area of the garage was constructed in 2004, so it's unlikely that it was related to Hang, but still. Mm. So then the, the police are allowed to dig up the garage floor to see if there was anything like in it, underneath it, but they didn't find anything, and the dogs stopped alerting in that area. So, and that could be for a number of reasons. Various reasons, yeah. yeah. Um, but the case goes dead again. So, Mark is still out here like, LOL. And he just keeps going on, committing crimes, theft, check fraud, parking tickets probably, who knows. Um, in 2010, he was convicted of identity theft and drug possession, um, but now this guy's since, got a lot of shit going on. Yeah. And this isn't necessarily related to the case, but I felt like it was important to mention in 2012, Hank's father died. And mm. before he did, he told the family to have a spirit releasing ceremony for Hang. Now, this is a ceremony in the for the Hmong people where um, they usually do the ceremony following a funeral. And really what it is, is it's supposed to release the spirit of the dead person to allow it to be reincarnated. Hmm. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. But the, you know, he passed away, but the family, you know, they were still, you know, it's how many years? 19. Later, but they're yeah. still, yeah, they're still holding out hope. You know, for a body or answers or something. So, yeah, now we're going to fast forward to August 18th of 2016. So, Hang's been missing for, what did we say, like 23 years? 25 years, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, the police get a call for a domestic abuse related welfare check on a woman. And in the police documents that I found, this woman is only referred to as A.S. So her information has obviously been redacted. But A.S. had an active no contact order out against Mark. And she had apparently not been in contact with her friends or family for weeks, which is what prompted them to call on the welfare check. So um, they go to her house. She's not there. They don't find anything. But somewhere in the mix, the police got a tip that Mark's car had been seen at a hotel in Woodbury, Minnesota. Mm. So the cops show up at this hotel. They figure out what room he's in. They kick in the door like SWAT team style. Wow. And they find a super skinny beat up young woman lying on the floor oh my God. who turns out to be 
AS. Now, she said that she had fallen on hard times and she had been living with Mark and he kind of immediately started abusing her. He was raping her. He was trafficking her. Jesus. And yeah, it's horrific. Oh my God. And so she tried to leave and she did. And Mark stalked her, kidnapped her and took her to this hotel and continued abusing her. So this woman is like in her early 20s and Mark now is like in his 50s. What the fuck, dude? Yeah. So he apparently had kept AS subdued by saying, you know, um, one time a girl from St. Paul came into my business and she was never seen again. And I'll make that happen to you. So that's what she told investigators. Mm hmm. Yes. Mm. So they're eventually able to find Mark. He's arrested. And it turned out that he had warrants for his arrest in several counties in Minnesota. And I think there was one or two in Wisconsin, too. Yeah. And as luck would have it, A.S. obviously had tons of evidence and testimony to provide to the police. So, um While they were holding him and interrogating him, they were kind of hoping that they could get him to talk about Hang because, you know, even though it's been all of these years, the police have never really given up hope on figuring out what happened to her. And he's still, you know, the prime suspect. Mm -hmm. But even with all this evidence, all the testimony from AS, Mark was sentenced to two years for felony kidnapping man he just keeps skirting the system here two years well sort of sort of just here we go but and this is where i get pissed off so in prison he threw scalding water on another inmate's face and that earned him 32 years are you fucking kidding me a violent sexual assault, a history kidnapping. of sexual assault, kidnapping, two years. but And being a suspect in a murder. Yeah. Yeah. But throw scalding water on another dude's face, 32 years. Like. Maybe they were making up for the rest of that. Do you know what I mean? I doubt it because yeah. you see it all over the country that people like people rapists. Just, yeah, they get away with it. Yeah, all the time. Yeah, still and still to this day, which mm-hmm. is just absolutely fucking terrible. It's 2021. Yeah, you know, it's bananas. I see no reason why people who smoke weed are spending more time in jail than people who rape. Preach, people. preach. Anyway, but we digress. So he would have been eligible for release and for parole. But during one of his appeals, the district attorney at the time was like, no, no, no. This man is sexually dangerous. He's a sexual psychopath. So what this DA did, and um, I'm not going to talk about this too terribly much in depth. I tried to research it, but I wasn't really understanding it. So um, basically what happened is... What this DA did is Mark will serve out his sentence, 
But because of this motion that was filed, that he's a sexual psychopath, he's sexually dangerous, for public safety reasons, he can remain in prison even after his sentence has been completed. Thank you. But the criteria for this is difficult to meet and it's kind of confusing. Mm. So um, kind of the the footnotes here is um, he had to go under several evaluations over a certain amount of time to meet this criteria. And he was evaluated by two forensic psychologists. One of them rated him as an average risk to reoffend, but um, this person didn't take into account for a lot of his past. So basically that person's kind of an idiot, but the second, yeah, the second one was like, no, sir. And rated him as a high risk to reoffend. So um, after all this testing and evaluations and yada, 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 the court ruled in favor of this motion. So Mark can appeal the decision, but as of this happened in 2017, he will he will not be getting out of prison because this was approved. And the most recent update that I had seen about this is he had an appeal last year and it was denied so he's still in prison right which is the good news like the good news that has come out Mm -hmm. of this is mark will remain behind bars forever the bad news is hang lee still doesn't have justice right um but april 7th 2017 her family did decide to have the spirit release ceremony and her brother kua had said that it was it was so hard for him because and the whole family because they still had no body they didn't know what they don't know what happened to her and he said it's been difficult for you know him and the whole family to accept that she's been dead all these years and um her mother did say that she has forgiven whoever hurt her daughter, but she really just wants to know where her body is so they can have a proper burial and lay her to rest. That poor woman. That poor woman. Can you imagine a mother 20-some, 30 years later still dealing with this? I mean, it's unimaginable. Yeah. I could never. Um, But Mark has still not said a single word about Hang. He's never been charged in her disappearance. You know, no one's been charged. But I think, you know, for legal reasons, allegedly, it was him. Right. And as far as I know, um, you know, Nikki hasn't come forward with anything else. And I really I couldn't really find anything about what she's up to these days. But I also didn't really look too hard into her but hang is still considered a missing person and police are still taking tips in her case and apparently her photo still hangs on the wall at the saint paul police department wow yeah so So at least they haven't forgotten her no they haven't and i think what a story right so that's the story of the disappearance of hang lee well i've got to I, w- I was doing a little bit of a deep dive here for you. Um, I'm looking up uh, the biggest songs of the year 1993, since that's when this all went down, right? Right. 
Are you ready for some of these? Mm-hmm. Okay. The number one song of 1993, Whitney Houston. And I... I We'll always love you. <laughs> she had a hell of a voice. She did. Um, uh, number two, tag team. Do you remember them? No. I bet you remember the song. Whoop, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we also have, let's see. What else do we have on here? Um... Dr. Dre, nothing but a G thing. Mm-hmm. You've got <laughs> Robin, show me love. Soul Asylum, runaway train. Nirvana, heart shaped box. Mm-hmm. And the Proclaimers, 500 miles. And I will walk, walk 500 miles, and I will walk 500 miles, just to be the man who walks 500 miles. I always think of identity theft when I hear that song. Really? Yeah. Now, what what if a guy showed up at your doorstep and he's like, look, I just walked a thousand miles just to come see you. I You'd would be like, say, get the fuck out of here. I would say, you made a mistake. <laughs> Enjoy your travels back home. I suggest Uber. I bet he's got some calluses, man. Can you imagine? No. On that note, what have we got going on on socials? (laughs) You can come hang out with us on Twitter, Unnatural the Pod. Hang out with us on Instagram, Unnatural the Podcast. We have a Facebook page, Unnatural, a true crime podcast. You can send us a Gmail, unnaturalthepodcast at gmail.com. We have a Patreon page where you can find ad-free episodes, bonus content, and much more. That is patreon.com slash unnaturalthepod. And as always, please be sure to rate, subscribe, follow, and share us with your friends. You know what, Emily? I want to give a shout out to our friends, specifically. Do we have friends? We do. We have quite a few. I was looking at, so our platform that we use to distribute our podcast, and I'm looking at all of the different countries that have listened to us. Are you ready for some of these? Mm -hmm. We've got Brazil. Ukraine, Russia, New Zealand, Philippines, Sierra Leone, Portugal, Denmark, Puerto Rico, Brazil, Poland, Sweden, Guam, Guam. Finland, Romania, South Africa, France, uh, Australia. If you are from one of these countries that we just listed, give us a shout out. Say hi to us. Maybe we'll mention you on a future episode. For shiz. What are we talking about next week? <laughs> I don't know because I'm I was busy doing the bonus episode. So. All right, we'll come back to it. Highly recommend checking out the Patreon page because we do have uh, bonus episodes up on there right now, which you will 100% enjoy. And when you sign up, you get a free gift from us. Ooh. I like the free gifts. I know. You should sign up for the Patreon, Andy. Get exclusive access to all of our 
Wouldn't it be funny if I did? I thought about it. I guess I could. <laughs> anyway, in the meantime, we will talk to you next week. Make good choices. Don't get got. Bye. See ya. Okay, Matthew McConaughey. I fucking wish. Same. You wish you were Matthew McConaughey? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that could be a, its own podcast. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Emily wishing she was Matthew McConaughey. There's so many questions to be answered there. Did we get a new theme song? We did. <laughs> I wanted I, it to be a little bit more upbeat. Hey, that that sounds like a pretty goddamn good theme song. Maybe we dun, can get. Dun, 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 dun. Well, anyway. <laughs> like I, I I want and I don't want this to be a video podcast. It should not be. <laughs>